What's up, Boom Team? Welcome back to the podcast, episode 7 of season 2. I hope you guys are having a great day, night, week, whatever. Whenever you're listening to this, I hope you're having a great time. Um, I had a pretty pretty decent week this past week. Uh, it went by fairly fast, um, which I was happy to hear, because, or happy to see, because then it was one weekend of football to the next. Um, I was really happy about that. But uh, this week for football went pretty well for me in week 6. I had almost every game right, especially... Um, I basically, I should have bet this week, honestly, because there was a guy or girl, I don't know what who they were, but they uh, they had bet um, like a large amount of money on uh, all the games through the past week. It was like a parlay, and he had gotten every single game, or they had gotten every single game right up until the Monday night game, and all they needed was the Bills to beat the Titans um, to have it like a $340,000 uh, payout, which, you know, it's insane that's absolutely that's life-changing money right there and um i was in the same boat i had every single game correct i had the bucks and the eagles i had jags dolphins ravens chargers you you name it i had I, I had gotten it right it was my best week so far probably ever um except for the bills and titans it, it was absolutely ridiculous derrick henry in prime time is just something else um so yeah, I feel bad for that person who lost out on that buyout. Um, I really wanted to get this week completely right, um, and you know, really take my my overall record for the season, make it even better. Um, but still, I can't be mad with a thirteen out of fourteen, or yeah, uh, thirteen out of fourteen games over the week. And uh, yeah, it was really exciting, and I was pretty happy with it. But like I said, had every game right except for the Bills Titans, which was just an absolutely crazy game you have the you have the instead of going for the field goal at the end of the game they're going for the touchdown to Derrick Henry absolutely carrying the Titans which I'm going to get into much later because this week we're going to be instead of recapping all the games we're going to actually do like a um a end of the season awards we're going to see who our front runners are for now um obviously it's very early in the season um to be even like considering people for end of the season awards but I like to see it um as kind of like a way to see who is leading the NFL in, you know, uh, defensive plays, offensive plays, uh, who who are the MVP front runners? which I hate when people do like weekly MVP check-ins because, uh, you know, the superstar of the league can change like that. You know, I can change at just like the drop of a hat. Um, so I don't usually like MVP like weekly check-ins, um, but I do like to check in every now and then. I'll probably do one more of these um, before – the playoffs or uh, start to happen, and then I'll put out who I think um, who I think should be the final um, winners of each award when it comes to, like rookie of the year, comeback player of the year, all that good stuff. Um, but for right now, I want to hop into week seven. I want to uh, go over my picks uh, for week seven. I also want to update you on my season record for you know picking the games. I'm currently sixty one and thirty three, which I'm feeling pretty good about. I'm I'm starting to pull away, and uh, you know I'm almost double. I'm almost, you know, in the the two ratio, uh, you know, win-loss ratio, which I'm pretty happy about. Um, But week seven, uh, on Thursday night, it's the Browns and the Broncos. This is a tough one um, because the Browns, when they're healthy, they should beat the Broncos pretty handily. Um, But right now they have Case Keenum starting for... Uh, at quarterback because Baker Mayfield's not feeling you know the not good at all his uh his shoulder is screwed um and you know they have the Odell Beckham Jr. injury uh, again Odell Beckham Jr. is having a really hard time staying healthy for the Browns and he's one of their he's their premier wide receiver other than Jarvis Landry who's also hurt um 
and that's just not good at all. The The Browns have been very lucky for um, uh, John, uh, Peoples-Jones to be really emerging as a pretty good wide receiver, and uh, David Njoku um, and Austin Hooper doing very well at being um, receiving tight ends. Like, And I say receiving tight ends because in today's league um, – you know, every tight end catches the ball, but, you know, there used to be tight ends who would only block, basically. Um, or guys like Antonio Gates, who really were red zone threats, not like midfield open threats um, like they are nowadays, where every tight end is probably the most athletic guy in the field, um, in the case of like somebody like Kyle Pitts. But, um, and then you got Nick Chubb, who's expected not to play again. He has a calf injury. And then uh, Kareem Hunt with the same thing. Um, so you're missing your, your, your two... Uh, running back tandem, you know, which is probably the best one-two punch in the NFL um, when it comes to running or it comes to running the football. Um, and and they're both out. Uh, I haven't noticed if Cream Hunt is ruled out completely for tonight or not. Um, but the the injuries are starting to stack up. And as good as the Browns' defense is, you need to have some sort of production on offense. So if Case Keenum can produce. You know, obviously, I think the Browns have a pretty good chance, but the injury list is just far, far too high um, for me to pick the Browns, and I'm going with the Broncos on this one. Um, I think Teddy Bridgewater is a fine quarterback. He's had a couple slip-ups the past couple weeks um, with the Broncos starting out 3-0, and looking great, and then just not playing that, that well, especially when they were playing against... Um, you know, teams that could have their number potentially like the Raiders teams that, you know, they really need to challenge them. And if they can overcome that, then they'd be legit. But I think it was a little bit of a fluke starting out three, and know, um, just like most people thought, but I was very optimistic. I like these Broncos teams. I always have, um, I've always been a, a decent fan of the Broncos cause they take defense first and that's the kind of guy I am. I like defense. I think it's a very, I think it's one of the most important parts of uh, your team. If you can have a decent defense to start, um, as long as you have an offense, I can just get some sort of points on the board, whether it's, you know, they don't have to be like, you know, the the Bills who are putting up 40 most weeks. Um, you don't need to have that if you have a good defense. It helps, but you don't need to have it. Um, so that's why I do like this Broncos team. Um, they take their defense first, and then they have, they're doing just fine on offense. Cortland Sutton's been great this year. Noah Fant's been doing what Noah Fant does. He's a very um, consistently productive uh, tight end. They're really missing Jerry Judy, but like I said, Cortland Sutton's picking up that slack. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater's, you know, he's playing Teddy Bridgewater football. He's not a superstar, but he's not a bad quarterback either. He is enough to, you know, get your team to the win, and that's all you need. Um, so, yeah, I'm taking Broncos over Browns in this one. Uh, moving into Sunday night, or not Sunday night, goodness, we're not even there yet. Um, Sunday day, um, I have the Panthers and the Giants up next. Uh, the Giants, like the Browns, the injury tally is way too high. Um, the Panthers, also like the the Broncos, kind of got exposed. Um, they're on a three-game losing streak right now. Uh, they did not play well last week at all against the Vikings. And, you know, they... they, they they proved, and I hate to say this because I was really a Sam Darnold believer, um, is that they're starting to prove that Sam Darnold, you know, isn't the guy for you. Unless he has help from a, a generational talent like Christian McCaffrey. And I, yes, I'm saying generational talent because he is, you know, physically um, at his position. But um, without Christian McCaffrey, um, for some reason, uh, Sam Darnold just isn't connecting with Robbie Anderson. DJ Moore has slowed down productivity-wise a little bit in the past couple weeks. Um, And the Panthers just, they're not looking as good as they were at the beginning of the season. Um, They're getting exposed for a poor run defense. 
Um, and Kirk Cousins was able to sling it all over him last week, which it came down to the wire the game did, but it was still, you know, this is a three-game losing streak now. This, you know, this is Dallas, Philly, and the Vikings. You need to correct, correct the, the ship against these teams um, because these are highly talented teams on offense that, you know, you supposedly had the best defense in the league a couple weeks ago, you know, being first in every category. I know it was early at that time. But you need to you need to prove it. You need to show, yeah, we have a run defense. We have a pass defense. Um, their you know their injuries stack up a little bit, but they still they are so deep at cornerback that it's like all right, it's not a big deal. And then they got Stephon Gilmore on top of that. I know he just started practicing this week, um, so I'm really hoping that they turn it around against the Giants because if they lose to a team like the Giants, which is more hurt than anybody in the NFL, um, there's a problem. Um, but I think, like I said, for the Giants, the injury list is far too high um, for me to pick them until uh, they start coming back. I know that uh, Sterling Shepard just came back. Um, Evan Ingram is uh, there. Kadarius Tony is still hurt, I believe. Probably the only good thing for the Giants that could possibly get them this win over the Panthers is, I, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, but uh, Daniel Jones might be the difference maker. Is um, He's really picked up the pace this season. I hope he didn't get... Uh, you know, reverted too far back um, with his injury. Uh, it was a pretty gruesome one right to the head. Um, but Daniel Jones uh, is back. He practiced fully this week, and he uh, is activated to play against the Panthers, um, which is good because they're starting to get their starters back. But they're still very, very injured um, and very crippled. So it's kind of hard for me to, you know, root for the Giants in this one. Um, and like I said, it's very difficult for me to say that I'm happy that Daniel Jones is back because I don't think he's a good quarterback at all. Um, but he has been improving this season. That's a fact that I can't ignore. Um, he's been playing well this season. So, you know, he might be giving them that edge over uh, the Panthers. But right now, with the injury list, I'm going to take the Panthers over the Giants. Uh, next up, we have the Patriots and the Jets. This Patriots team is good okay it's not like superstar talent it's not you know we're gonna hang up 45 on you like the old days with the Patriots or probably I would say like 35 instead it's a little bit dramatic but um you know they're not gonna hang up 35 on you every game but they took a team like the Cowboys that are you know hard nose on defense and have a pretty good pass defense um and they took them right to overtime, you know? The the Patriots' defense is, I think, very underrated. This is a very good defense. I know they let up 35 against the Cowboys. But these guys, when you see them play teams like the Buccaneers that have high-power offenses, these guys hold these offenses down. Uh, they held Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to 19 points and Tom Brady to zero touchdowns. When, Like I just said this last episode, I believe it was last episode or two episodes ago, when have you seen that happen? When have you seen Tom Brady throw zero touchdowns like that. Like, when was the last time you remember that? Now, yeah, now you can't think of it. But <laughs> um, this Patriots defense is very hard-nosed. Matthew Judon is uh, a Defensive Player of the Year candidate for me. He's a little bit lower on the list. I would say probably number five or so. But he he's, you know, I when I say lower on the list, I mean, like, I think top three. But anyway, we'll get to that later. Um, he's probably number five, but he's a great player. You know, they paid a lot of money for him to come over from the Ravens, and they're making their money. Or not making their money, but they're getting the... They're getting what they paid for. He is a great player. And um, it was unfortunate for the Patriots because that last play of the game where Dak Prescott threw the touchdown to CeeDee Lamb to end the game in overtime, Matthew Judon was right there on Dak Prescott, like off the rip. He was there. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, Dak Prescott's one of the best, if not the best playing quarterback right now. And, yeah, I'll stand by that. Um 
is, you know, he he was at the hands of Dak. But, you know, Matthew Junot is a fantastic player. J.C. Jackson shut down Amari Cooper last week. Patty Mills, even though he led up uh, 149 and two touchdowns to CeeDee Lamb, um, you know, he he's not a bad corner either. This is a good team. Um, they're missing Dante Hightower as well in this game. He didn't really play that much. Um, he was suited up, but he, he didn't play that much. So it's kind of, it kind of sucks for that, but they're doing very well. And Mac Jones, I'm going to say it right now, is probably the best quarterback in this whole class. I mean, Trevor Lawrence just got his first win, you know, against the very sorry Miami team. Zach Wilson is struggling. They got uh, combined. I'm pretty sure Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence have like 16 interceptions. You know, Mac Jones is doing fant- er, doing just fine for the Patriots. I wouldn't say fantastic, but he's doing just fine. Um, and yeah, I really, I really like this Mac Jones guy. <laughs> um, Damian Harris is a hard-nosed running back. Um, he's a little inconsistent, but when he's on, he's on. Um, we saw it against Dallas, and I really like this Patriots team. And this Jets team is just sorry, man. Um, they're coming off a of bye week, so hopefully they can write a ship and maybe get a divisional win against the Patriots. But I don't see it happening at all. Um, that's why I'm taking the Patriots over the Jets. I think the Patriots are more prepared, better coached. I think they have better personnel, and I'm looking for Jacoby Myers to get his first uh, his first touchdown, uh, receiving touchdown this week against the Jets. Uh, next up, we have the Chiefs and the Titans. Um, af- before last year or last week's Monday night game, you could have con- I, I probably would have gone with the Chiefs on this one. I would have been like, yeah, the Chiefs. You know, they're 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 gonna win this one. The Titans are not they're not who they used to be. But then I watched Derrick Henry on Monday night against the Bills, and he ate up one of the best defenses in the NFL. the The Bills have one of the best. They are not the best, okay? I'm not gonna say they are, and I won't even dance around the idea. But they are one of the best. I would say within the top eight, okay. And Derrick Henry ate them up. He did what Derrick Henry does, and it doesn't really come as too much a surprise that Derrick Henry did this, but. Um, you know, good defenses are supposed to hold down good players, but Derrick Henry is making a case for being one of the greatest ever. And I mean, like when I say one of the greatest is if he has a long career, he could be the greatest. Okay. That is a long way from now though. I remember Derrick Henry getting drafted out of Alabama. Okay. I remember. Okay. So I know it's a long way from now because I'm only 20, (laughs) but, um, Derrick Henry has time and time again, uh, especially this season, he has 10 touchdowns already. He has 738 rushing yards. He the, the guy is a monster, and it's week seven. You know, he hasn't had less than 100 rushing yards this season. Okay? I mean, that's that's insane. Um, and he, he's just a phenomenal running back, and he is an absolutely insane talent. And I'm so happy the Titans drafted him because he's exactly what they need because without, without, the, uh, without Derrick Henry, the Titans are nothing. Okay, I'm going to take the Chiefs in this game, though. Okay, I'm done praising Derrick Henry because I have more praising of him to do later. Okay, um, I think the Chiefs are overall more well-rounded than the Titans, even though the Chiefs have their issues. They, I mean, especially against Washington last week, they have their big, big issues. Okay, Patrick Mahomes' decision-making is horrible this year. I don't know what it is, okay? I, I even saw a video this week. Um, this guy, he was like, all right, let's look at Patrick Mahomes' eight inter- interceptions, and let's see um, how many of them are his fault. And, you know, because uh, I think he put two and a half. I don't know how you get a half an interception, but he put about two and a half not being his fault because it came off the hands, both of them, of, of Tyree Kill. And then the third one was um, 
the one against the Chargers, I believe it was, the Chargers, um, where he tried to do a no-look pass for some reason um, and threw it behind his tight end. It was a catchable ball. I think that's why he did a, a half because it was catchable ball, but he the tight end was like reaching behind him. It was like he was not going to get very many yards after the catch. Um, but then, you know, Patrick Mahomes is still thrown, if you do that math, five and a half touchdowns or five and a half interceptions. You know, that's that's a problem. That's that's not something Patrick Mahomes does. That's something that, you know, Patrick Mahomes of old would do, you know, in a full season. You know, that's what a good quarterback does in a full season. Aaron Rodgers only had like three last year in an MVP season. You know, that's not something that good quarterbacks do, at least not often. Um, and, you know, that's aside from the Tom Brady, you know, with like 12 last year, 14 last year. That's different, okay? But Patrick Mahomes' decision-making, you saw it against Washington. His when he like rolled out okay in the pat in the pocket he's getting chased down or no no it was the beginning of the play sorry I was thinking of a different play um and I'll get to that play in a minute Patrick Mahomes the the snap gets muffed they're in shotgun it gets muffed he rolls out because the defense the whole the whole play is collapsed um the defense is chasing him down and as he's getting tackled he decides to throw it up where the fu- where did you learn to do that who taught you to do that who taught you Super Bowl champion you know, supposed to be the next greatest of all time, Patrick Mahomes. Who teaches you to throw that? Okay? I'm not going to sit here and dog on Patrick Mahomes too much because he is a great generational talent, but that's like that's horrible decision-making. You know, you don't just toss it up when you're getting tackled. Like, I understand that in, in the Super Bowl last year, he was making some miraculous throws and probably played the best game of his career in that Super Bowl. But, I mean, that's that's horrible. You can't do that. That's You know, he, you know what he was doing? He was trying to throw the game away. You know, um, but, you know, on top of that, though, OK, as much as I can, you know, dog on Patrick Mahomes for bad decision making, there was also another play against Washington um, that he had where he had one of the best throws I've ever seen. He got the ball rolled out right and he's getting chased down, but he sees Tyree Kill cutting across the middle. Um, probably about 15 yards downfield. It's not a very long pass, but what he's doing is he's throwing from one hash mark to the other. On, with his right hand, he's throwing a crossbody, one hash mark to the other across the field to Tyreek Hill, 15 yards. But if you cut completely across, it's probably about 35 to 40 yard throw, um, even though it's going east-west, not north-south. But that's not here nor there. And he makes the pass to Tyreek Hill. It was very reminiscent of the one that he had against um, the Ravens a couple years ago. I think it was in the playoffs. No, no, no. It was just a regular season game. Um, and he just had another crossbody throw, one hash mark to the other. It was a, it was phenomenal pass. Um, so that's why I can't dog on him too much. Cause he's still, he is Patrick Mahomes still. You can't forget who you're dealing with. You know, this is, like I said, probably he's supposed to be the next greatest passer ever. You know, he's supposed to be the next Brady. Um, and that's why I can't dog on him too much, even though it sounded like I was really giving, giving him the, the supper there. But, um, this is still Patrick Mahomes. This is still the chiefs. The Titans are not the best at passing. Okay. I'm sorry. Like I like Ryan Tannehill, but he is not a prolific passer. Um, and A.J. Uh, Brown has been doing very little this season. He hasn't produced that much at all. Um, and Julio Jones is really starting to fit into the new system. You know, it's kind of it's a little iffy. Um, but him and A.J. Brown are figuring it out. And Tannehill's not a great passer. So the only thing that could really put me with the Titans going over the Chiefs is that if Derrick Henry takes advantage of this poor run defense that the, uh, the Chiefs have, or just poor defense in general, um, but I think Chiefs being more uh, efficient on offense when it comes to scoring and when it comes to um, you know being more talented, I gotta go with the Chiefs on this one. But it's uh, it's very likely that Derrick Henry could take over this game just like he did against the Bills. 
but I'm taking Chiefs over Titans right now. Next up is uh, the Packers versus the Washington football team. The Green Bay Packers are rolling. Um, I think it's five five wins in a row now for the Packers. Um, and Aaron Rodgers is now a shareholder of the Bears, I guess. I, you know, Everybody was loving Aaron Rodgers yelling at this woman that he owns her. He owns the Bears, which he does. Um, you know, the, the Bears have not, other than 2017, where they got somewhat close to a Super Bowl um, because they had that phenomenal defense and um, Mitch Trubisky wasn't terrible. He wasn't good, but he wasn't terrible. Um, other than that, the, the Bears have, haven't done anything in a long time. Um, and there has been really no rivalry. Like, there's a, there's a historic rivalry with the, the, um, the Bears and the Packers, you know, just historically. But as of the last probably 20 years, or maybe 17 years, when at whatever, there has been no rivalry, okay? You know, other than a little bit of a stunt in 2017, like I said, and some of the Jay Cutler era, um, but not that much. Um, and yeah, the, the bears are, are not great. <laughs> the Packers are rolling right now. Um, but, and I don't see them coming remotely close to losing against a, a Washington football team that, you know, is really trying to string it together, but the defense has lost its touch from last year. Um, Chase Young is not producing as much as he should be, I feel. And the, like I said, the defense as a whole, it's not just Chase Young. Um, defense as a whole is not producing as well as they should be. If you pick off Patrick Mahomes twice in one game, you need to take advantage of that. And the, the Washington football team honestly should have won that game. I thought, um, they're, they're, they're not producing enough on offense. Um, to win themselves the big games against the tough teams. And I just don't think they're built for it. You know, they have good talent. They have Antonio Gibson. They have Terry McLaurin. They have Ricky Seals-Jones out there. And uh, Taylor Heineke is not a bad quarterback. He's just not that guy for you. You know what I'm saying? He's not that, you know, QB1 that's going to lead you in the big win against, you know, a top-seeded team. He'll lead you in a big, like a big divisional win against the Giants when you get lucky on a, on a, uh, on a field goal that the Giants jumped on, so you get another chance. But, you know, he's not going to lead you against those big teams and win it. So that's why I'm taking the Packers in this one because they're more complete and the Washington football team has a lot more issues than the Packers do. Uh, next up is going to be a game that should be very one-sided, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it went down to the wire, um, is the Falcons and the Dolphins. Um, I'm taking the Falcons in this one. Um, I think the Falcons, even though they're pretty sorry on defense as well, um, the offense, I think, is starting to really string it together, especially passing-wise. Kyle Pitts got his first touchdown um, in their last game against uh, against uh, the Jets. I thought that he, uh, I think he's going to really start coming into it here soon. Um, I had talked in my first uh, my first episode of the season was about how um, Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley need to have more production, and they're starting to get that. Um, and I think Matt Ryan's becoming more comfortable throwing to somebody like Kyle Pitts. You know, you have to kind of learn each other before you start, um, before you start, you know, just slinging it at, at, uh, at one of your receivers and just hoping that he gets it. You know, you have to learn. Um, and I think that's what the Falcons are starting to do. And I think that offensively, they're going to be a little bit more of a threat moving forward. Um, and the Dolphins, you know, they, they lost to the Jags, man. I know the Jags had to win one eventually, you know. It, we've seen 0-16 seasons before, but the Jags had to win one eventually. Um, and the Dolphins, you know, there's been rumors that they're going to sign Deshaun Watson. And if they do, I, you will never hear me praise the Dolphins again. Um, just because of all the stuff that's surrounding Deshaun Watson. Um, and they're, they really, it just seems like they've never liked Tua. Um, I've always been a, a Tua 
uh, not fanatic, but like a, a Tua fan. Um, I thought he had, I'm also left-handed, so it's a little bit biased there. Um, <laughs> you don't see very many of us in the NFL. You know, you don't see very many left-handed quarterbacks anymore. Um, but Tua, he, I think he is a good athletic talent. He is a little injury prone. You know, he's had, uh, the hip injury, um, when he got drafted and then he had the, uh, I think it was a hamstring injury, um, that had him out for a couple weeks when Jacoby Brissett was there. And I'm, I'm a Tua believer for now. I'm starting to, to wane on that and to lose my interest. Um, but I really do, in, do enjoy watching Tua Tagovailoa. I think he's a good guy. I think he's a good leader. Um, but it just seems like Miami just really hasn't wanted a whole lot to do with Tua since he got there, um, which is unfortunate because, you know, they, they essentially wasted a fifth round or first round, fifth overall pick. You know, you, you wasted it. Um, and I think... Tua could be something special. Um, I'm hoping that if he goes to there, there are talks. Um, let me get back to the the talks. Is that um, the Dolphins could sign Deshaun Watson, um, and then the Texans would receive uh, shit. I can't even remember what it was. No, it was like the Dolphins could get Deshaun Watson, um, and then the Washington Football Team. It was like a three team deal where they would end up with Tua Tagovailoa. And I can't remember who the hell the Texans would end up with. I don't think they really care at this point. Um, I, you know, it's, it's. I'm sorry, it's a bad analysis, but um, that was how it was supposed to work out. Is there was supposed to be like a three-team deal, and Tua was supposed to end up in Washington, um, which I think could work out for them. Um, but we'll see what happens, um, especially um, what happens with the Dolphins and how what kind of uh, you know reaction they're going to receive if something like that happens and they get Deshaun Watson. Um, because I think a lot of teams are avoiding signing Deshaun Watson for the fact of all the uh, issues that he's having off the field. Um, I'm being very, I'm very harsh with anybody that involves themselves with Deshaun Watson um, for the time being because I believe in, um, especially in this situation with how many people are there that um, you know he's he's in the wrong until they prove that he's not um, because the, the numbers are too high. You know, in these uh, issues of you know, uh, being accused of sexual assault and all this other stuff is that when it it seems that there's a trend that when a a player or somebody like in any sport or whatever, you know, signs or gets a a lot of money given to them, like Deshaun Watson did, that these things pop up, you know, people sue, you know, for money. And it's unfortunate. I'm not saying that any of these people who came forward um, about saying Deshaun Watson, like sexually assaulted them, did that. I'm not saying that at all. But that's the unfortunateness of the situation that that has happened before where people have falsely accused so that they can get a cut of that big paycheck that the, that the player just got or that person just got. Um, and you know, normally I would give the situation a little bit of time before I make up my, my thoughts on it. But when you start getting like 40 people and then like 20 of them being criminal, um, you know, allegations and uh, accusations, you know, the numbers start to, add up too much you know they start to stack against you too much um i don't care what kind of investigation is going on but right now um until something else comes out you know saying that he's innocent or that none of this actually happened or whatever um you will not hear me praise deshaun watson or any team that is involved with deshaun watson um until something like that happens i'm not a huge steelers fan um because of everything that happened with big ben um, back in the day with a bunch of, uh, sexual assault and, you know, possible other heinous crimes. Um, I've never been a Big Ben fan, um, for that case because it's something that unfortunately people get away with far too often, um, in the NFL. 
Um, luckily, you know, people like John Gruden got cracked down on, you know, just being unlawful and, you know, discriminatory and being just downright rude. But then when it comes to sexual assault and stuff like that, um, you've heard me talk about it before with the Washington football team, um, a couple of, probably about a year ago now, um, is, you know, I don't, I don't tolerate it anywhere here on uh, the boom team podcast. Um, and if you guys do, and you don't want to hear me talk about it and you're going to have to listen to somewhere else. Um, because it's a, it's a big deal. And unfortunately in sports, it doesn't feel like it's a big deal because these things take way too long to be investigated or these people are allowed to play while they're being investigated or they're allowed to still continue on while they're being investigated, which I don't think is okay. But moving on, um, next up we have the Ravens and the Bengals. Uh, the Ravens had a huge win against the Chargers last week. It was, it was phenomenal. Uh, probably the most complete defensive performance we've seen I think overall this season, the Ravens defense took a huge, you know, powerhouse of a team like the Chargers and shut them down. They shut them completely down. They were like, you know, Chargers, that's great that you're, uh, that you're, you know, you're doing this and that you're, <laughs> that you're being such, you're such a good offense. We don't care. That's basically what they said. <laughs> they were just like, yeah, I don't care. Uh, we're going to run in here. We're going to roll you over. And that's just how it is. Um, Unfortunately for the Ravens, though, they did lose uh, Patrick Queen in this game. Uh, Patrick Queen being one of their their younger linebackers, but one of their more promising linebackers. Um, so it, that sucks that he got hurt. Um, hopefully he'll be back soon. I believe it was a hamstring injury, and, and I believe he's going to be out for this game against the, ba- the Bengals, um, which is the Bengals are nothing to mess around with at all. They're nothing to mess around with. These Bengals team, this Bengals team is good. Um, this offense is high powered. This defense is, is tough. Um, I'm going to take the Ravens in this one. I think the Ravens are a little bit more elevated. I think the Bengals have finally taken that step up that we were hoping that they would last year with Joe Burrow coming into town, um, and mixing up with Tyler Boyd and T Higgins, just like I told you a long time ago, if you'd go back and listen, um, I, I called it that the Bengals were going to start improving, um, and getting much, much better. And they have. I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm just saying, you know, these Bengals, I've been watching them for a minute. Um, and they're starting to get there, but I think the Ravens have been there that le- at that level for a minute now, and I think it's the Ravens' time. You know, they're they're really getting there. Lamar Jackson is stepping into his own. He's proven that he is, you know, the guy for Baltimore, and he is a prolific pa- passer, but he's also, you know, a, a running threat. Um, we all know this, and I think Lamar Jackson is on, he, he's on his way to another MVP. He's playing that well. Uh, next up. I have the Rams over the Lions. Uh, the Rams play complete football. I mean, this one's not that hard to pick at all. Um, the Lions have every issue possible. They, Like I say every week, they have talent, but they just can't string it together right now. They're just a sorry football team. Um, and the, Ra- the Rams just do everything right. You know, they, they do. They do everything right. And I, I'm, I'm not going to spend too much time on this one because there's nothing really to spend that much time on. You know, the Rams should dominate the Dolphins. and or The Dolphins, Jesus. The Lions in this one. Next up, we have the Eagles and the Raiders. Um, I picked the Eagles in this one. Um, this is one that I, you know, kind of went against my better judgment on because I am I am a, a like not a closet Raiders fan, but I do enjoy watching these Raiders play quite a bit. Um, but the Eagles, this this offense is, is good. This offense is very high powered, um, and their offensive line is, is slowly starting to come back together. Um, but Jalen Hurts is stepping back into his own. Uh, the Eagles, I believe, are on a two win streak now. 
because um, they just beat the uh, Panthers, and they did lose to the to the Buccaneers, but they did take them, you know, right to the wire um, against the Buccaneers. And I think you know there aren't a ton of moral victories in football and in professional sports in general, but you know you you got to take something. You know, with the Eagles being as you know hurt as they were a little while ago, and then people doubting Jalen Hurts for God knows why. Because um, I've even last year, you know, they say that he's a rookie, quote unquote, this year, but he's not. He you know. Five games last year isn't a ton to watch, especially when they they uh, they didn't you know make the postseason. Um, but they, man, I just can't. Like they they were fine, you know, they were fine. Um, and the Eagles have been fine. I think uh, Jalen Hurts has been had the talent to be to lead this Eagles team um, ever since he stepped on the field last year. And, and nobody would believe in him, and I and I do. I really like Jalen Hurts. He's a great player. Um, I think the Raiders are going to prove to do well the rest of the season. They're very talented on offense and defense. Um, but I was listening to uh, the Around the NFL podcast this past week. Uh, you've heard me talk about that many times. Go check them out. Um, they're an NFL, you know, like driven podcast. Um, but, you know, there's no, there's not a ton of like influence from the, the corporateness of the NFL. Um, it's just, you know, th- three, and al- uh, three analysts that do a great job. Um, but they were talking about how, you know, whenever you get a new, like an interim head coach, that head coach usually has one great game that they coach. Um, and that's usually the game, their first game, you know, they end up winning and they have a great first game. And then, you know, afterwards, after that, then the real problems start to show back up. Um, and I think this is the game where the Raiders start to fall off a little bit. And I think the Eagles get a good one against the Raiders. Um, next up, I have the Cardinals and the Texans. A lot like the Rams and the Lions game, this one's not hard to pick at all. The Cardinals are the best team in football, I think, right now. Um, and the Texans, you know, as well as as much as I have praised the Texans um, over the past couple weeks, even with the losses that they've had, um, you know, I've been really um, praising Davis Mills for, you know, stepping in the pocket when Tyron Taylor went down, and he's really been playing well, I thought. Uh, but this one, it's just talent, you know. Um, even without Cliff Kingsbury last week, I mean, the Cardinals took it to a Browns team, you know, that even though they're a little bit hurt too, the Cardinals, without their head coach, beat the hell out of the Browns, like embarrassed them. And they've done that multiple times with good teams. They beat the hell out of the Browns. They beat the hell out of the Rams. You know, huge, good teams. They have beat the hell out of these teams and made them embarrassed. Um so I don't think there's any way that the Cardinals lose this game to the Texans, and I think they're going to roll right to 7-0. and And with their schedule, they could be undefeated for a while. I could see them getting to like maybe 12 or 13 wins before they even think about losing. Um, next up, I have the Bucks and the Bears. Uh, the Bears, like I said last week, have been very sneakily good this year. Um, but I think they're just overall outmatched in this game. I think the Bears can beat teams that are on their skill level, uh, like the Vikings, like the Raiders, you know, those kind of teams that are good but not really there yet um, when it comes to that upper echelon of good teams. Um, and I think the Bucks are just that much better. Um, they're still missing Rob Gronkowski. He's questionable for this week. Um, at least that's what my fantasy team says. Um but Tom Brady is on, he's playing phenomenal. I mean, he's 44 goddamn years old and you're going to hear me talk about him later in the MVP race. That's how good this man is. Um and you know, even though the Bucks have a sorry passing defense, that front seven is tough. And so as as slim as they are at a uh, corner and safety, um as the weeks go on, their players will return and they'll get better. Um but yeah, this one wasn't hard to pick. I got Bucks over Bears. 
Next up, we got the Sunday night football game. Uh, these teams will be blessed by Carrie Underwood, as she says, 49ers and the Colts. <laughs> um, uh, but next up, we got the Niners and the Colts. Uh, I'm going to take the Niners in this one. Uh, the Colts are starting to string it together um, on offense, especially. Um, Jonathan Taylor had a huge week last week, um, and Naheem Hines, Naheem Hines is a great running back, too. Um, and they have a good wide receiver core. Um, I just, I don't know. I feel, I feel better about this 49ers team beating the Colts. Um, you know, Trey Lance is new and his first, first couple full games were against teams like the Cardinals, um, that were really tough on him. But I feel like this is going to be the game where Trey Lance gets his first, uh, win being the starter. Um, I, I really like this uh, matchup for the Niners. The Elijah Mitchell is back, so that running back committee is going to be at full full swing here in a little bit. And, um, yeah, I really like this Niners team against the Colts, and I'm really looking forward to watching this one because it, it could be, you know, just like a, like a, like a boxing match, this one, because as much as I feel good about the Niners, this one could be easily, you know, the Niners score one touchdown, and then the Colts go down and score another touchdown. It could just be back and forth, back and forth, or it could be, you know, a, a straight-up defensive battle. These teams have probably, the two best linebackers in the NFL um, with Darius Leonard and Fred Warner. Fred Warner being the best linebacker in the NFL, hands down. You can't argue that with me. Um, other than maybe Bobby Wagner, but I think Fred Warner is probably the the best overall linebacker. Um, but that's not a, that's not what we're getting at here. This is team stuff. Um, but speaking of Bobby Warner, um, Bobby Wagner, sorry, Bobby Warner, <laughs> Bobby Wagner. Uh, we're moving over to uh, Monday Night Football. I got the Saints beating the Seahawks. Um, as many issues as the Saints have when it comes to just trying to figure themselves the hell out, um, I think the Seahawks have it worse. Geno Smith, I'm sorry if you have any Geno Smith believers out there, is not that guy. I'm sorry. He's just not that guy. Uh, the defense is sorry, other than Bobby Wagner, like I'm talking about, being you know one of the better uh, linebackers in the NFL. Um, the Saints, I think, just have... They have the better defense, you know. That's you can't argue that. Um, and then they also have the better offense. I think, uh, like I said, Geno Smith just isn't. He's not cutting it. Um, Chris Carson was out past uh, the past week for the Seahawks, which hurts even more. So you're missing your starting quarterback and your starting running back. Um, and even though the Saints are trying to figure themselves out at quarterback and how to, you know, really use this offensive talent that they have. Um, yeah, I just they're they're having a hard time with it, and but I think they're not having as hard a time as the Seahawks. So Saints over Seahawks. Uh, next up, I'm going to go down my power rankings list, and then we're going to hop into our end of season, um, you know, award front runners for right now. But uh, first up in the power rankings, I got the Cardinals at number one. Uh, like I said, these guys are probably the best team in the NFL. Um, they're one of the most complete teams, and they have just been hanging it up on everybody and not looking back. Uh, number two, I have the Ravens. Like I said, the Ravens are really one of the top teams in the NFL, especially after this win against the Chargers. They they are phenomenal. Uh, number three, I have the Bucks. Another very complete team, other than a pass in defense that's a little subpar. Um, but you know, when you have a quarterback like Tom Brady playing for you, you're going to be in the top five pretty much all the time. Um, number four, I have the Bills. Even though they had a tough loss against the Titans, I don't think it takes um, too much away from the Bills, um, other than the fact that they're still a very complete and a very great team. Number five, I have the Packers. Six, I got the Rams. Cowboys at seven and Chargers at eight. Um, these four teams, I feel, are very close in talent and very close in ability to win close games. Um, so this was a hard kind of four to separate for me, but I feel like I did it pretty well. Um, the Cowboys, I'm allowing them to climb this list slowly um, because they 
how do I say this? The Cowboys have obviously won pretty convincingly other than the Patriots game last week. Um, the Patriots put up a hell of a fight at Foxborough. Um, the Cowboys have won, but they haven't really had a ton of very tough games, and they're in a really bad division too. So when I see the Cowboys beat a team like the Chiefs that they're playing this year, or they beat the Raiders that they're playing this year, or the Broncos, or the Cardinals who they're playing this year, then I will start to move them up the list higher. Because as a Cowboys fan, I'm still optimist, or I'm still a little pessimistic, because these are teams that are not very good. When you start beating the Eagles, the Giants, the Panthers, uh, the Patriots, the Chargers, the Chargers are probably the best team that they've beaten this year. You know, and the Chargers are a little bit of a lull. You know, they the Chargers let up 42 points against the Browns, and then they got their ass kicked by the Ravens. So, you know, I, the, when you look back at the games that the Cowboys have won, how can I put them any higher than somewhere in number seven or number six? You know what I mean? That's that's why I put the Cowboys at seven. Um, number eight, I got the Chargers. Nine, I got the Bengals. Ten, I got the Raiders. And then 11, I got the Saints. I, I Like I said, I was very impressed with the Raiders because the fact that even with the new head coach, they were still able to win the game. Um and I put them at number 10 because they, overall, talent-wise, they're very good. But I could see the Raiders dropping pretty far, like I said last week, um, if they with, with no solidified head coach. But we'll see. Um, I said number 11, I got the Saints. Number 12, I got the Chiefs. 13, I got the Titans. And 14, I have the Browns. I'm putting the Browns all the way down at 14 because the injuries are too much right now. Um, and, you know, the ass-whooping that they got by the Cardinals, too, it doesn't really... It's not panic mode just yet for the Browns, but it's starting to get there. And that's why they're down to 14. Uh, 15, I have the Patriots. 16, I have the Bears. 17, I have the Panthers. 18, I have the Broncos. Um, I feel like the Broncos could be above the Panthers um, in, in this list, but those two are they're very close teams. Like Their, their talent and their build, it, they're very close. They're very close. You know, they have... Two pretty decent head coaches with Vic Fangio and um, Matt Rule. And then you have Sam Darnold and Teddy Bridgewater, who aren't amazing, but they're not bad either. Um, you have two pretty high-powered defenses. And pretty and, um, right now, uh, without Kirsten McCaffrey, obviously, for the Panthers, you have a, a, a subpar running game. Um, and that's, you know, they're, they're identical. You know, they're, they're perfect matches. Um, so that's why they're both right there, but you could say Broncos at 17, Panthers at 18, you know, you, you could do whatever, but 19, I have the Vikings, 20, I have the Colts, 21, I have the 49ers, 49ers, I expect them to climb this list pretty soon, um, like I said, they're figuring themselves out on offense, especially at quarterback, but once they do, this Niners team is going to be very complete, it might, we might have to wait till next season, if, if Trey Lance stays the starter, but they're going to be very complete. They're going to have an awesome offense, and they're going to shoot right up this list. I'm telling you. Um, 22, I have the Steelers. 23, I have the Eagles. 24, I have the Falcons. 25, the Texans. Unfortunately, I have the Seahawks all the way down to 26. I mean, it's just the defense is bad. The offense isn't good. Without Russell Wilson, I mean, they're just not good. Um, 27, I have the Washington football team. 28, I have Jacksonville. 29, I have the Dolphins. 30, I have the Giants. Um, you know, you could argue the Dolphins are the worst team in the NFL. You could argue it because they just lost to the worst team in the NFL, um, or at least one of them. Uh, but, you know, I still don't think that they're worse than the Giants when it comes to, like, the injury list or the the Lions when it just comes to not being good, period. Um, but anyway, 30, I, th I have the Giants. 31, I have the Jets. And 32, I'm so sorry, Detroit, but I have the Lions.
Alright, welcome back. I just had a very, very scary moment. I was trying to get my recording back up and it just wasn't wasn't working. So uh, I don't know what that is. It's been two weeks in a row now, but hopefully something doesn't happen again. But we're going to go into our end, end of the season award front runners for right now. Obviously, we're starting to approach middle of the season, so this is a little early, but I feel like it's good to check in, like I said earlier today. Um, and yeah, we'll resume episode six of the Boom Team podcast. Here we go. Um, first off, we're going to start with Offensive Rookie of the Year. Um, this one, I think, is starting to be ran away with, um, but these are my top three. I got Jamar Chase um, from the Cincinnati Bengals, the wide receiver. Um, he's done very well this year. He has uh, 27 receptions this year for 553 yards and five touchdowns. For a rookie, he's been super productive. He turned me around completely on him. Um, I thought he was going to be a big bust this year, but he's actually been doing a fantastic job. Um, he's my number one front runner right now, but right behind him is uh, Rashawn Slater, um, becoming a cornerstone of the Rave, of the Chargers' uh, playoff run that they're on right now, and a possible Pro Bowl season in his rookie year. Rashawn Slater's a left tackle, um, and this guy when they when the Chargers played the Browns, Rashawn Slater was asking, uh, uh, what was it, Austin Eckler to not chip Miles Garrett. You know, he was taking on Miles Garrett, one of the league's premier pass rushers and quite possibly the best um, pass rusher, and was telling his teammates, don't help me. Like, I got this guy. And he's a rookie. You know, this guy is phenomenal. He's a great player, and he's an awesome, awesome uh, piece of the Chargers team. That's why I have him at number two. And uh, number three, this one was a little bit difficult to choose um, because there are a lot of good offensive rookies out there, but I chose Mac Jones. Um, other than the six interceptions, Mac Jones has had a pretty solid season for being a rookie. Um, and the Patriots at two and four, it's not great, but he's he's a fine passer. You know, in the Cowboys game that he had just recently and in the one against the Buccaneers, he was, he was uh, what was it, 12 for 12 in passing against Dallas, and then he was like 10, to 10, or 10 for 10 to start with the Patriots. Um, over the season, he's had 1,400 passing yards so far, and he's had seven touchdowns this year. Like I said, six interceptions is a little bit much, but you know he is a rookie, and um, he's had an 89.6 passer rating this year, which I think is very solid for, for being new. And he fits right into the Patriots' scheme perfectly. Um... Now, next up to our Defensive Rookie of the Year, uh, I have three players that um, have both been playing well, but I think one person started running away with it, and I'm really trying not to be a homer on this one, but my number one is Micah Parsons. Um, the guy has been a huge piece of the Dallas uh, Cowboys defense this year. He has been you know, the person that has um, really helped turn it around, and he's become one of their superstars. Right now, he has 29 tackles this season and two and a half sacks. Um, he filled in for Demarcus Lawrence when he went down um, at defensive end, and he's been doing a fantastic job. Uh, number two, I have Asante Samuel Jr. from the Chargers as well. Um, now, Right now, Asante Samuel Jr. has uh, 19 tackles, two interceptions, and five passes defended. In only six games, you know, that's fantastic for a rookie, to be honest. And number three, I have uh, Patrick Sertan from the um, Denver Broncos with 22 tackles and one interception this year so far. Um, you know, he hasn't been putting out nearly as much as, like, Asante Samuel has, um, but that's why he's number three um, defensive player of the year, but he's, or for rookie of the year, but he's um, he's very solid player. Um, but yeah, Micah Parsons leading this list for me, but Asante Samuel is right there with him. Um, for rookie of the year uh, overall, um, I have either Jamar Chase at number one, Micah Parsons at two, and Rashawn Slater at three. 
Um, I try not, I'm not really going to do too much on that because I've already talked on all of them. And uh, when it comes to like rookie of the year or MVP, um, it's kind of hard to, to divvy out, you know, because it's, oh, who's the best overall? It's like, well, these guys are the best at their, at their positions. So yeah, it, I don't know. Rookie of the year and MVP are starting to become silly awards for me, honestly. Um, comeback player of the year. Um, number one, I have uh, Dak Prescott. Um, this one is hard to ignore. Um, Dak Prescott going off of his ankle injury last year. So far, he has 1,800 yards, 16 touchdowns, uh, four interceptions, and 115 flat passer rating. Um, he's been doing a phenomenal job this year, um, leading the, the Dallas Cowboys to a five-win streak so far. Um, and it's really hard to ignore uh, Dak Prescott's uh, productivity over what could have been a career-ending injury um, for most um, and, you know, being able to play the same way that he was, if not better, um, just shows, you know, how well and how far he's come. Um, number two, I have Joe Burrow. Uh, Joe Burrow suffered an ACL injury last year that took him out for the rest of the season. Um, I got Joe Burrow, uh, with 1,540 yards passing. He has 14 touchdowns and seven interceptions. Um, and a hundred, uh, 107.9 passer rating. Um, Joe Burrow, he's, not he has he's not like uh, slinging the ball all over the place and he has you know a decent amount of interceptions but Joe Burrow is leading the Bengals he's being that leader that they need him to be and he's making good throws and you know he's moving on his ACL like nothing ever happened um, and he shows a lot of confidence in it so I uh, I got Joe Burrow at number two and then number three I have Derwin James uh, Derwin James has made a great comeback this year he had forty nine tackles. Uh, so far this year, he has one interception and one and a half sacks, um, and he's been doing a fantastic job. And um, yeah, Derwin James, great player, and I can't wait to see him do more. Uh, now, next up for our Coach of the Year candidates, um, my number one. Actually, I'm going to start from number three, and send I'm going to go from three to one. Um, for number three, I have Brandon Staley um, from the Chargers. Uh, Brandon Staley in his first year um, head coach for the Chargers. Um, you know, they're four and two. Um, their two losses have been losses that have been handed to them by good teams. You know, they got a loss handed to them by the Ravens and the Cowboys, but they competed with the Cowboys in the Ravens game. They were just at the mercy of a Ravens team that played, like, honestly, probably the most complete game that we might see all season. Um, but Brandon Staley has been doing a great job with this Chargers team. They have had clock management be a lot better. I think this is where the Chargers could have been last year if they had better clock management and a little bit better coaches. Um, but yeah, Brandon Staley, number three for me. Number two, this one is Bill Belichick. Um, and it's hard to, to say this one for me um, and make it justifiable because the Patriots are two and four. But the Patriots have been um, competitors in every single game that they've played this year except for the Saints game where they just absolutely imploded. But other than that, the Patriots have been right there with every single team that they've played. And like I said, they're young, they're talented, but they're not experienced yet. But the fact that Bill Belichick and the coaching staff have been able to keep this team at uh, two wins and still in a division race, or at least for second place in a possible playoff spot. Um, and Bell Belichick being the legendary coach that he is and being able to scheme up against Tom Brady and against the Cowboys to compete with those teams, you know, it's hard to ignore. 
Um, and I got Bill Belichick at number two. And the number one, a man that almost lost his job this year, um, and his team doesn't even really need him <laughs> from uh, the from their last game. Um, it seems like is Cliff Kingsbury. Um, you know, his team, the Cardinals, are six and zero. They're rolling loud right now. Um, it's really hard to to not take the coach of the best team in the NFL and not put them at number one. I mean, the Cardinals, they were eight and eight last year, and they almost have the same amount of wins already as they did last year. I mean, what else do you have to say? Uh, defensive player of the year. A lot of people are starting to put this one to, to rest already, and I, I still think it's wide open. Um, number three, I have Bobby Wagner. Um, even though I was talking up Fred Warner earlier, I think Bobby Wagner um, has been having a great season, um, and he's number three for defensive player of the year for me. He has 65 tackles already this season, which is insane, and he has only one sack, but he's a linebacker. You know, it's not his job to sack the quarterback every single play. Um, he's the, the leader for the Seattle Seahawks, especially with Russell Wilson being out. And, you know, he is a fantastic player. He's been doing phenomenal. He's been doing it for so long. He's one of the best linebackers of this decade. Um, and yeah, Bobby Wagner, fantastic player. Uh, number two, I have Miles Garrett. Uh, Miles Garrett has 23 tackles this season and eight sacks, eight sacks by week seven. And I think he had three of them in one game against the bears. You know, and even so, that leaves him with five sacks in six weeks. That is, he's insane. Miles Garrett is a phenomenal player. Um, he's really stepped into his own. I was really worried at first when he got drafted. Uh, I think it was number one overall by the Browns. Um, and but the Browns were so bad that he didn't really get a time to shine. Um, but once they got some other key players around him, he's been doing fantastic. Um, and yeah, Miles Garrett, number two, eight sacks. He's he's up there for defensive player of the year, and he could easily win this award. Um, number one, I have Trayvon Diggs. Um, it's hard to ignore, um, Trayvon Diggs, seven interceptions. Um, you know, a lot of people have been saying, oh, well, Trayvon Diggs, you know, gave up a a 75 yard uh, touchdown the day or the play after his pick six last week. If you look at this play and this is something that, you know, I really, I'm, when I'm on this podcast, I, I'm trying, I try not to be like a, a fan first. Um, and I'm, and I feel like I do pretty well at that. Um, but even as an analyst and somebody who breaks these plays down, th- this could be anybody else. This could be Stefan Gilmore who let this play up, okay? The Cowboys' safety, uh, Kazi, gave up that 75-yard interception, okay? I'm putting it out there right now, okay? If you see Trayvon Diggs, everybody's saying, oh, if you just put a double move on Trayvon Diggs, he'll get beat because he uh, he jumps the he jumps the route too much. The only reason he jumps the route half the time is because the ball's already in the air and he's that fast, or um, he knows he has a safety over top. And in this case of the play after he had his pick six um, and, Kendr- and uh, Kendrick Bourne had the touchdown, is that Kazi was there. And, Kendr- and uh, Trayvon Diggs jumped the route to get the interception because he had help, so he was like, fuck it, I'm going to go for it. And he went for it, and then Kazi misses the tackle. But that's Trayvon Diggs' fault, you know. And it and it, like I said, I'm not trying to be a fan first. I don't want to sound like it, but it's the the in analysis and everybody being like, "Oh, he let up a 75 yard play." He's like, "No, he didn't. Did you not see the other player that was there who was supposed to make that play? He was doing his job." You know, it's just bad analysis, and I hate it. I hate it. Oh God, it boils my blood. 
Um, but Trayvon Diggs had seven interceptions in six games this year. You know, they come in bunches, interceptions do. Um, and I expect this train to stop pretty soon when it comes to getting an interception every single game. Um, but he's a fantastic player. He's really improved in his second year in the NFL. Um, and, yeah, you can't really argue the number of interceptions and how many. Um, he's had two pick sixes this year. He has the same amount of touchdowns that his brother Stephon Diggs does. Um, and, yeah, it's really hard to argue against this. Um, offensive player of the year. I took the offensive player of the year and I took quarterbacks out of it. I think it's bullshit um, that, you know, the offensive player of the year and the MVP get mixed in so hard. Um, I, I, except for there's one person that I think deserves it overall so far. Um, but number three for offensive player of the year right now, I have Mike Williams. Um, Mike Williams, he has 33 receptions this year for 498 yards, six touchdowns. He has eight receptions over 20 yards, and he has three receptions over 40 yards this year. Uh, Mike Williams has taken over the number one spot on the on the Chargers for like wide receiver one um, for the the Chargers and pushed Keenan Allen to number two. And this man has been absolutely phenomenal. And he, you know, if there was a most improved player of the year, it's Mike Williams. Um, number two, I have Cooper Cup. At Offensive Player of the Year, um, he has 46 receptions so far this year. He has 653 yards receiving. He has seven touchdowns, which is the most in the NFL for receivers. Um, he has 11 catches over 20 yards, and then he has three catches over 40 yards. Cooper Cup has been nothing but productive this year. Um, and he's been absolutely fantastic. He's an offensive threat all over the place, and I think that's why he deserves to be high up on this list because, I mean, it's Offensive Player of the Year, and if there's anybody who has been doing anything on offense um, more than Cooper Cup, I think there's only one, and that is Mr. Derrick Henry. Moving in at number one is Derrick Henry. Um, Derrick Henry this year has 738 rushing yards and 10 touchdowns and zero fumbles. I want you to to listen, okay? Derrick Henry had 2,000-yard rushing season last year, right? You know, historic season, okay? Adrian Peterson, his MVP season, had 2,000 yards and 12 touchdowns. Derrick Henry, in six games, has almost 800 rushing yards. Okay, he's on pace to get 1,000 yards by week eight. Okay, um, he has almost the same amount of touchdowns that Adrian Peterson did in a season that only had one less game. Okay, he even if this was a 16-game season, Derrick Henry would almost have the same amount of touchdowns that Adrian Peterson did in one season in an MVP season. Okay? Okay? So, I don't know how else you can argue this, okay? Derrick Henry has been phenomenal this year, okay? He deserves to have Offensive Player of the Year so far <clears throat> uh, right now. That's where he deserves to be, okay? Moving on to the almighty MVP, the MVP race. Um, there's a lot of people that I could put up in this in this um, top three, um, but I'm going to start with Tom Brady at number three, okay? At 44 years of age, okay, 22 years of NFL experience, and the the movement speed of a baby hippo, Tom Brady has thrown for 2,064 yards in seven games, or six games, okay? 2,000 yards already. He's well on pace for a 5,000-yard season, Okay. 17 touchdowns, three interceptions, which I believe is one of the fewest in the NFL right now with three interceptions. Um, and he has the most touchdowns for passers, I believe, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah, he has the most touchdown passes. Um, he has 30 passes over 20 yards. So you can't say that Tom Brady doesn't doesn't throw deep, or at least over you know 20 yards. You know, he's not the, the uh, check down quarterback that he was um, in New England. Um, he has two passes over 40 yards, which even so, you know, that's only two. That's still a lot. 
That's 80 yards right there. Okay, that's almost an entire football field. That And that's over 40 yards, okay? And then he has 113 first down passes. That's the most in the NFL, okay? So Tom Brady is leading in almost in, in three passing categories at 44 years old, okay? I don't know what else. You know, some people are, oh, Lamar Jackson deserves to be up here. Okay, to, is he doing what Tom Brady's doing? Well, Lamar Jackson threw two interceptions last week, okay? In, in a blowout win, okay? Tom Brady deserves to be up here, all right? Number two um, for MVP, we have Kyler Murray. Um, Kyler Murray, it's hard to argue that he isn't number one, but I got an argument for you, okay? Kyler Murray has thrown 1,741 yards this year so far in uh, six games. He's thrown 14 touchdowns, four interceptions. He has three rushing touchdowns. Um, Kyler Murray is the, the man for the Cardinals. But if you take away Kyler Murray... Actually, I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that. Kyle Murray at number two, because this is a whole situation. Okay. I got Derrick Henry at number one for MVP and Offensive Player of the Year. Okay. I'm going to say that, you know, the, the, the MVP is a quarterback's award. Okay. But I just think that Derrick Henry deserves to win it. And I'll tell you why. Take Kyler Murray out of Arizona. Okay. Arizona, still great defense. Still great two, back, uh, two running back tandem. Chase Edmonds and James Cotter, fantastic duo. Okay, you have DeAndre Hopkins, probably the best wide receiver in the NFL, arguable, but probably. You have Rondell Moore, really talented young wide receiver. You have Zach Ertz, Super Bowl champion. Okay, you have um, Christian Kirk, solid wide receiver. Any team could benefit from Christian Kirk. Okay, great offensive line, great coaching. Okay, you can't ask for any more. All right, and then they have Kyler Murray on top of it. That's why they're a Super Bowl favorite this year, is because they have a great team on top of a great quarterback. Okay, but this is an MVP. Okay, MVP, most valuable player. You take Derrick Henry out of the Titans, compared to uh, Kyler Murray being taken out of Arizona, the Titans are done. They are done. They are over. They will not win anything. Okay, you take Derrick Henry out. You have no running back that can fill that hole. That can fill that void. Okay. You have a, a passer who is not the best passer in the world, not a prolific passer. Ryan Tannehill had, had his two years. I'm sorry, but he, he's, he's starting to fall off, okay? You have Julio Jones, who has who is a phenomenal talent. He's a generational talent. But him and A.J. Uh, AJ Brown, who is of the same physical stature, they've both been having a hard time um, producing this year. And then Jeff Swain, their tight end, not good, not great, okay? You have a defense that's not good, not great. They're, they're good when they want to be, but not, not consistent. Derrick Henry is the only consistent part of this offense that makes them win games. They won the Bills game against the probably, like the only team that you could argue is better than the Cardinals is against the Bills. They beat that team because of Derrick Henry. Okay. Derrick Henry has not had less than 100 yards this season. He has 10 touchdowns already. He's on pace to break that record too, the, the rushing touchdown record. Okay. That's why Derrick Henry is number one for MVP. Okay. Because like I said earlier, I try not to have Offensive Player of the Year and MVP mix too much together, but the argument and the numbers are something that you cannot ignore. Derrick Henry, right now, is on pace to be the MVP and Offensive Player of the Year. He's on pace for another 2,000-yard season, on pace to break the rushing touchdown record, and this man does not fumble, okay? He, he is a force to be reckoned with. He is a legendary talent, and if he keeps it up, like I said earlier, he will go down as the best running back the NFL has ever seen. He has the size. He has the speed. He's got the stamina. He's got the, the hitting ability. He's not soft. 
He shows up every day and he plays his ass off. And there's nothing more you can ask. Derrick Henry, if he keeps pace, which I believe he will, will be the 2021 to 2022 season MVP. You hear me, you hear right here on the Boom Team podcast. And that is going to be the end of our Boom Team episode. I'm sorry, I got a little dramatic there at the end. Okay, but I'm sick and damn tired of people like Derrick Henry being snubbed for MVP when they should be getting it year after year because they are the most valuable player on their team. Just like, God, I can't can't even get into it. But he is the most pure example of MVP, most valuable player, okay? It's not always a quarterback, all right? You can have a good team and and have a subpar quarterback like the Titans did a couple years ago. And you can still make it to the playoffs, make it to the AFC Championship like the Titans did a couple years ago. Okay? But you take Derrick Henry away from that team, and they are nothing. They are nothing. And that is the end of the Boom Team Podcast episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. I had a great time making this episode. Uh, Like I said, I'll probably check in on these end-of-the-season awards maybe like week 15 from now, you know, a long time from now. Um, Make sure to follow me on Instagram. It's uh, personally, mine is dakota.nutter. It's D-A-K-O-T-A dot nutter, N-U-T-T-E-R. All lowercase, that's my personal Instagram. Uh, Go follow the TikTok. It's Boom Team Podcast, all one word, uh, all lowercase. So just posted my first one the other day. Um, I also am working on getting this uh, podcast a YouTube channel and a website. I've been telling you guys about that, but it's, you know, life's crazy. So I'm working on it as fast as I can. Um, follow the Boom Team Podcast on Instagram at Boom Team Podcast, all lowercase, you know, just straight up Boom Team Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll see you guys on the flip side.